Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? It's a great day to be a Bearcat. Hummer is singing from the mountaintops, folks, because we were just joined by a special guest, an interview that has been in the works, I would say, for a couple of months now, and we finally got to have it. Who did we have on today, Hummer? Dr. Santa J. Ono, former president of the University of Cincinnati from 2012 to 2016, current president and vice chancellor of the University of British Columbia. This was a good one, buddy. Dr. Ono is an incredible, continues to be an incredible advocate for the University of Cincinnati. When you listen to this conversation, I hope you can hear the passion, the love, the adoration that he has for his former university, uh, for a place that he put so much time and effort and energy into in terms of elevating their place, specifically in the college football world, um, the sports world. He was someone who, as you'll hear, was very involved and and very much an advocate for uh, getting the University of Cincinnati into a bigger conference. You hear about how close we were back in the 2016-ish range in, in getting an invite from the Big 12. But look, there's no reason to drag this on any further. Uh, this conversation was excellent. Thank you again to Dr. Ona for making the time on your vacation for this conversation. Without further ado, Dr. Santa J. Ona. We are now joined by Dr. Santa Ono, the president and vice chancellor of the University of British Columbia and former president of the University of Cincinnati back in 2012, from 2012 to 2016. Dr. Ono, thank you for joining the Cincy Slang and Bearcat podcast today. Thank you so much. Hope you're doing well. We are doing very well. It's the, it's the week of the college football playoff and unbelievably the Cincinnati Bearcats are partaking, and I felt a good way to celebrate the season that we just had was to speak with one of the university's biggest fans. Uh, you're now back in Canada, where you're from, but all season we've noticed that you have continued to, to cheer on the Bearcats from afar, and, and I'm not sure you know, if you believed it was possible. I know we were very cynical about being able to make the college football playoff at the beginning of the season, but here we are. Um, to get us started here, what, what is it about your time at the University of Cincinnati that really connected you to the program so much so that you've remained such a big and vocal fan from afar today? Well, thank you very much. Well, I've always believed. And so it's, it's, um, it's miraculous. It's fantastic. But uh, Cincinnati and the Bearcats can do anything. Um, and I believe that's going to be an incredible game uh, this, uh, later this week. Um, and the uh, Crimson, Tide should be, Crimson Tide should be worried. Actually, so I'm looking forward to the game. And just to answer your question, you know, I, I was at uh, University of Cincinnati for six years of my life, uh, six of the best years of my life. I was first uh, the provost of the university, chief academic officer, when Greg Williams was president, and then, then I became president in uh, 2012. Uh, and uh, remarkable years, I'll never forget them. And a big part of uh, what I loved about University of Cincinnati, in addition to it being a great university, uh, are the Bearcats. And um, I spent a lot of energy, as most presidents do, trying to strengthen the program. Uh, we went through quite a bit during those six years that I was at, at uh, UC. As you remember, we started out in the Big East, 
Um, Greg was president. Um, and uh, um, then there was this big conference realignment that occurred right as I uh, was stepping into the presidency. Um, and some of you may remember that I spent a lot of time retaining Butch Jones and, and, and you know, looking for a new athletic director in Mike Bone. Uh, and also spent about two and a half years of my life really trying to position the university to move uh, uh, from a re conference realignment in, into the Power Five conference, which occurred. Uh, and uh, as you know, I spent a lot of time trying to position UC to get into the Big 12. Uh, and um, I was delighted to see that happen. And with that, I think the sky is the limit for UC. Agreed. Yeah, it, it, it does seem to be, uh, it all came together this year in 2021. Um, you know, from a, from a sports and athletics perspective to see the big 12 invite finally come through that should be coming in the next couple of years, something that maybe set yourself apart in terms of how folks relate and, and identify with the president of a university. It's not always the most just to the common man. It's not always the most recognizable position, but you really put yourself out there as a huge advocate. I mean, for on a number of fronts, but since this is a podcast dedicated primarily to the athletics of UC, I did want to ask you about your belief and, and sort of advocacy for athletics at the intercollegiate level. Um, you know, I think under your, during your time as president, the, um, the Nippert renovations were an example of sort of the investments you're making in the athletics programs. What is it about athletics at the collegiate level that is, that makes it something you believe in, in terms of how it benefits the university as a whole? Well, first, I'd like to say that uh, when I arrived at uh, uh, UC uh, in uh, uh, two years before I became president, um, it was uh, I was not a huge sports fan. Uh, I went to the University of Chicago. As you know, they had the first Heisman Trophy winner, but then they left the Big Ten um, and they're a D3 school right now. So uh, I didn't have an undergraduate experience where sports was a big deal. And so to answer your question about why I became so invested, it's because um, I could tell from the first day I was at UC and I stepped on the campus that uh, it mattered uh, to the university. It mattered to the fan base. And uh, the history of UC uh, is extraordinary. Uh, it, just before I arrived, as you know, um, having moved into the Big East, uh, the Bearcats football uh, team really had moved to a different level. They had been to the Sugar Bowl and to the Orange Bowl. Uh, and uh, so there was already a, a tradition of success um, and a great tradition in basketball. And so, uh, although I hadn't experienced it myself at, at the previous universities I had served, uh, it was infectious. And, um, you know, one of the things that you do as a provost and as a president of universities to try to represent uh, the people that make up the institution. And whether you're talking about Bearcat alums or you're talking about faculty members or students, it's something that resonated with me. I knew it was important to uh, the university, to Bearcat Nation, if you will. And so um, it was my, really my responsibility to, to, to support what was important to the institution. I also became a big fan, as you know. There were incredible um, uh, football players that I, that I know I still follow today, like Zach Claris, who's uh, really playing really well up here in Canada. As you may know, he was the CFL Player of the Year. Um, and uh, I, I became pretty friend, friendly with J.K. Schaefer and, and, and others. And uh, I remember, my, remember somebody called Isaiah Pete and, 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 and many other great players. So uh, that uh, I just got excited myself in, in watching the Bearcats play uh, and, um, and also really just wanted to represent the institution. 
when it comes to the athletics and, and supporting it, you know, my wife in her like previous role, she was a faculty member and ran a doctoral program for nursing, nursing. And there always seemed to be like a fight between the athletics and faculty and, you know, which way funding is going to go. And at a smaller university, I guess that that is more visible uh, when it comes to, you know, major college athletes, how do you see the trickle down effect benefiting the overall university? Well, you just have to do an analysis of how University of Cincinnati is mentioned. And a large number of mentions have to do with uh, their success, whether it's basketball or football. And UC will see a record number of applications uh, this year uh, because of the visibility, the brand. I mean, the number, millions of people are going to watch the Bearcats, not just during regular season, but uh, in this college football playoffs is, is remarkable. So there's already going to be a benefit in terms of um, the brand of institution and the attractiveness of it as a destination for prospective students. So that's one part of it. But the other part is that, uh, that people don't recognize that it really brings the whole institution together. UC has great colleges. Um, it invented co-op. It has a great design school. It has a great uh, music conservatory and CCM. And, and uh, all this is brought together in the faculty of medicine. It's all brought together when people come together to never. Uh, and that kind of glue uh, it's, it's really hard to quantify the value of that, but it's really, really important, I think, because when people believe in the university, they're proud of the institution, I really believe that they perform at a, at a different level. So that's what, that's what I think is the, sort of the synergy uh, between a strong athletics program at an American university. I would also say that uh, moving a big uh, power five is huge. Um, the uh, budget of the, of, of the athletics program is going to almost double uh, just with the, the, the TV of, of revenues coming into the institution. Back when I was trying to get UC into the Big 12, we we're talking about a $20 million boost in just TV revenue uh, into, into the program. You're going to need that because you're going to need those funds to uh, retain Luke Fickle, by the way. Um, <laughs> Luke is an incredible football coach. Um, UC uh, is lucky to have him. And, uh, you know, if I were president of UC, I would be doing everything I, I can. I'm sure that Neville's doing that to make sure that he stays. He is the franchise. They should, they should be making a statue of Luke Fickle, <laughs> I think, at this moment. Because of, um, he, could, he could have already moved, as you know. Um, yes. There are a lot of schools that have been courting him. But uh, he loves Ohio. Um, and uh, he has actually succeeded in making UC this year more attractive than his alma mater, Ohio State. I'm sure that's driving those guys up in Columbus crazy, but Luke Fickle is really the franchise and uh, some of that revenue that's gonna come into the, to the university should be, uh, I think, earmarked to make sure Luke Fickle and his, his coaching staff stays. You're gonna, you're gonna love this idea then. You know, one, one idea we're kicking out is starting a GoFundMe campaign <laughs> with the goal of raising between 20 and $100,000 and just have the statue delivered in front of Nipper, we're not even going to tell the university. We're just going to have it ah. delivered. <laughs> you think that, that'll go over well? You think that would go over <laughs> well with, with the administration? <laughs> um, so, I mean, you hit on a few things there that people are going to love. For one thing, I wanted to definitely get into the actual football of this whole thing uh, here in a minute. You, you did mention your your time positioning UC to to get into the Big 12 much sooner than 2023 or whenever this official transition happens. Uh, back in 2016, it was extremely close. Um, it really seemed there was a moment there where it, as a fan base, it felt like the, the Big 12 move was inevitable. 
but ended up not happening. So I wanted to, I wonder now seeing it come full circle, the big 12 invite has come through reflecting back on your experience, trying to get you see in there into the big 12 back in 2016. What did you learn about that process, the process that maybe surprised you uh, and, and looking back on it, you know, you, it may have caused you to do things even a little differently than you did. Well, it, was, it, it started well before uh, 2016. It started uh, right after conference realignment occurred and the Big East uh, fell apart. And the Big East fell apart. I, I actually watched that whole thing happen. It had to do with sort of this tension between the Big East members that were primarily the original basketball schools to the ones that had significant football programs. And so that was, that was really uh, what resulted in the Big East starting to crumble and, and conference real, realignment occurring. Um, I would say that um, uh, soon after that, it, it was obvious from looking at the TV revenue that was critical for UC to be able to move to a Power Five conference uh, to be able to compete at the highest level. And, and there was absolutely no question that that's what I had to do because of the history and the importance of the pro program to the institution. So it started uh, right at that moment. And we looked at everything. It, 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 it's really actually a comprehensive uh, strategy to move an institution uh, to a Power Five conference. You got to look at everything. And we, um, as you probably know, uh, had a lot of consultants, a lot of friends out there. We spent a lot of time thinking about the strategy. We looked at um, facilities. And we, you, you mentioned the fact that, that Nippert, um, really all those historic, amazing place in the center of campus, they needed an upgrade. Fifth Third was looking pretty shabby. And I remember talking to my predecessor, Greg Williams, and he said, oh, it's going to cost a lot of money. And so he, he decided not to invest in it. But I said, we're, we're, if we're going to play, uh, we got to do everything we can to position the institution to succeed. So as you know, um, those were two of the first things that we focused on were to renovate Nippert, and we did that, and to get everything rolling so that uh, Fifth Third would be renovated. That's important because a Power Five conference looks at facilities. Um, and so we knew that that was an Achilles heel, and we addressed that. The other thing that was really important was to, uh, to make sure that uh, we told the economic case. Um, and one of, that was one of the strengths of the, of the strategy is that, as you know, Ohio, uh, second only to Texas, if you look at the big 12 markets, it was a major television market. And so we could attract that, we could show that to, to the presidents of the big 12 and say, you know, this is gonna be a good thing for your ultimate renewal of your TV contract. That was the second leg of the strategy. The third leg of the strategy was really to be in front of them. And that was almost a two year effort where some of you may know that I actually visited all of the presidents of the big 12, sometimes twice, um, and really focused on, on the really, the power brokers, the, the universities that at that time, before this more recent conference re realignment, uh, were gonna play pivotal roles in deciding who was gonna be uh, uh, let in if there was a further expansion. So as you know, I spent a lot of time in Texas, the state of Texas, a lot of, uh, a lot of um, influential people in the big 12 in Texas. I went to UT Austin a couple of times. Uh, I went to TCU and to Baylor. Um, as you know, I already knew uh, Gordon Gee because he was at Ohio State um, and he had moved to West Virginia. That was an important uh, regional uh, supporter of the expansion and he's still there. Uh, God bless God, Gordon Gee. <laughs> Whatever you think about him, he's my friend. Uh, and so there was a moment where um, we really focused on, on, on three key people and had I had an advisor called John Weefold, who was the former president of K-State. He introduced me to Kirk Schultz, who was the then president of K-State. And so we really got them uh, excited about UC and uh, they made introductions to people like David Bourne, 
who was president of Oklahoma. Uh, and uh, then Ken Starr of Baylor went down there to see him, and obviously Gordon Gee. And so, uh, and then so Texas uh, Powers, Ken Starr, uh, and Kirk Schultz of K-State, uh, and uh, Gordon Gee of uh, West Virginia at the time, were, were all really, really helpful. And the former president of K-State, we followed, uh, was sort of an advisor of mine and really helped get me in front of all of these people. I think this was really important because when this round of conference realignment came around, they all knew us. And you all know that uh, in 2016, we were that close. Uh, we were probably number one on the list, maybe number two, one, one or two with BYU. And, uh, uh, if, if it was going to happen, it would have been us. And, and that investment, enormous amount of energy and strategy, I think, um, you know, was the foundation. Because when uh, conference realignment occurred again, Big 12, everybody knew that UC was at the top of the list. And I think that was pivotal. So I, I'm happy. I wouldn't have done anything differently. I think we got really close. I think that uh, those, those guys were our friends that were really trying to push for us. They bore and really tried. Um, but uh, some of the schools just weren't ready. They didn't want to, actually, they just didn't want to divide up the TV revenue at that time. And we've all told, told me, as some of you may know, that uh, if UC wanted to get in with, say, BYU, that the first couple of years would have to be a haircut because they wouldn't, the, the TV market would not give an additional uh, amount of money during a contract. It would have to be re renegotiated. More money would have to come in. And then there would be an uplift. So, and, and we were prepared to do that at the time, as you probably know. Uh, but it just uh, just didn't happen. It could have happened, but it was all worth it because it, I think it set the stage and the foundation for what's just what's just happened. Is it appropriate now? Sorry, Ham. Is it appropriate now? Then, as we enter the Big Twelve here in the next couple of years, should should Bob Bowlesby be doing like some sort of walk of atonement? Is that what we're we're asking? Then is he the one who <laughs> delayed the process a bit? Oh, it's okay. You know, the, the most important thing is that uh, UC has uh, received the recognition that it deserves. And, uh, you know, this, like I said, the sky's the limit for, for UC now. And, uh, um, you know, what we're seeing uh, this week uh, with the top four team is something that I think is going to happen uh, often uh, for the Bearcats. There's, there's so much energy and passion among the fan base. And uh, it's just the first class program. And, and now finally it's going to have the revenues that it deserves. And I, I'm, I think that you're seeing the emergence of a perennial powerhouse at, 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 in, in Clifton, Ohio. It's weird hearing that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think those investments that, that you, you, you set in motion too, you know, even though we didn't on ultimately get that 2016 invite, you, you know, we're talking about how it led to where we're at today but we wouldn't have had probably the success we're seeing now without those investments. You know, so it really set the stage where we have Luke fickle that he didn't jump ship to Michigan state university at the first chance. Cause we do have these awesome facilities. You know, I, I've lived in and actually you have the hottest, hottest hashtag hottest college in America, which still floats around. And uh, you were giving out the shirts a while back and I had just moved to Philadelphia. And I think that's how we were able to, I think, start direct messaging you. Cause I noticed that you only have allow people who you follow on Twitter to, yeah. to respond to my, and I told Kurt, like, yes, I'm one of them yeah. <laughs> because I got one of those shirts, <laughs> uh, you know, and it was just, you're seeing how, how all that plays out in, in the investment that we've made and you you've helped set the stage for. And I still think you're probably one of the most popular presidents and Neville has been great too. So I actually, there's nothing we can say about him. He's doing everything right as well. Uh, 
but you're you're uh, you're like a, a superstar on campus. I think if you walked into the campus right now, you would get just as loud of a standing ovation as like a Kenyon Martin would. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, but, uh, maybe maybe the next time game day comes through Clifton, you know, we're in a different time and place where travel's a little bit easier, especially international travel. Maybe you're the maybe you're the guest picker next time, Doctor Ono. That would be pretty cool. But uh, <laughs> I'm just really just happy for for everybody at UC. Um, it's a great institution. Like I said, they were the highlight of my life was being president of UC, and I'm going to be cheering as loud as I can up here in Vancouver, Canada. So when it comes to the game this week uh, on, on New Year's Eve that we're facing off against, you know, the dynasty that is the Alabama Crimson Tide. And you even said it before that you think that they should be be wary, be a bit nervous, potentially. Um, what is it about Luke Fickle's football team, this specific unit, this specific program that he's built uh, that gets you so excited, that gets you so jazzed up that to calling Luke Fickle the franchise, uh, quote unquote? Well, you know, I know they're at 13 and a half point, I think, uh, underdogs, something like that. And that's perfect. You know, just from, think back a year ago or when, when we were playing against Georgia. It was a year ago, right? It's Everything's that's right. crazy. That's and, right. And, it's one year. And, and, and people said that UC didn't have a chance. It was just one field goal. Could have gone either way. Right. And so that, that should get them, uh, that should wake them up. But hopefully they'll, they'll, they won't take UC too seriously and they'll show up and they'll be half asleep. And that's exactly what I want to happen is uh, Luke Fickle knows exactly what has to happen. He knows that um, if Alabama's ahead at the half, it's going to be really hard uh, to beat them. But the, the thing to do, I'm, I'm no football coach, but my guess is the thing to do is to come in and, and then just do something and get, get out ahead really, really early, do something crazy, get out ahead um, and then just shock them. And then momentum is everything uh, in, in this game. You know, the Bearcats are an amazing team. You know, Alabama has a Heisman Trophy quarterback, uh, but we have uh, an incredible quarterback as well. And our quarterback can actually run. Don't tell him I said it. <laughs> he can pass and he can run. That's and and that's, that's part of the, uh, I think, the secret uh, is, is that is just let Desmond run. You know, I mean, uh, Alabama has a pretty good running game, but I think if you have our running game plus Desmond and let him run, and let it fly, as you guys say now. That's um, right. <laughs> you know, throw and run uh, and get on the board first. Uh, that'll shock them. Uh, the other thing is uh, it's going to be pretty important, I think, to block a couple of kicks, if, if at all possible. And we're pretty good at blocking kicks, as you know. Um, we have probably the best cornerback in, in, in college football right now. And, and we have an incredible O-line, maybe one of the best O-lines, and a pretty good defensive uh, uh, line as well. And so I think... Uh, just intensity. Um, Fickle's going to get them really pumped up. And they have shown over and over again against Notre Dame and against Houston. If they come out uh, swinging, um, the Bearcats can beat anybody. I really believe that. I'm looking so forward to it. Hope you believe that too. <laughs> no, we, do, we do. We do. I, you know, I want to get a, I want to get an official uh, prediction from you, maybe a, a score outcome of the game. And then uh, if possible, just run th run you through a few rapid fire questions about your time in Cincinnati and maybe some of your favorite uh, people, places, whatever the case may be. If you don't mind, I really don't want to answer it because I don't want to jinx it. I, ha I have to, some people like wear the same shirt all the time. I try not not to to predict a score. Whenever I do, it, it's not a good thing. So because I want the Bearcats to win, if you don't mind, with all due respect, I'd rather not predict it. I'm not going to, I'm certainly not going to make you answer a question. But it's going to uh, make the official it. prediction. 
I will say what Hummer and I have chosen to do, and this is why this is our effort of not jinxing it since the beginning of the season before before the first kickoff uh, in the first game of the year, we've chosen to have big thick energy the entire season uh, and just basically be brash, be bold and believe in this unbelievable football team. It's worked so far. So we've continued to do it. We've already made our official predictions last episode. I won't necessarily make you uh, live through those or hear those, but um, all I'll say is Dr. Ono, big thick energy is all we need. It's all we have to have. Absolutely. Well, just need to pull ups or something like that after every win. That's right. At least when we're down in uh, in Greenville against East Carolina, that's become the the annual tradition. So a few rapid fire questions here about your time at Cincinnati. Since you've become such a huge football fan, do you have a favorite UC football player of all time? Oh, that's easy. Uh, Zach Claris, uh, because he, he and I used to direct tweet each other all the time. He showed me where to get uh, good Italian food um, in uh, um, in Clifton. So and, and, and he's I'm just so proud of how he's doing up here in Canada. Uh, CFL player of the year. So Zach Claris is terrific. Fantastic. Fantastic. So who? what's your favorite? Uh, local where, where, Clifton where, where was that Italian? Where's that Italian yeah, there you restaurant? Go. <laughs> What's that? Is it is it Martino's on Vines? I was called something like that. <laughs> oh, yes, uh, yes, <laughs> <Hello, Martino's>. <laughs> <laughs> So that might answer my next question. Is that your favorite local Clifton establishment? Um, probably, yeah, probably. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, if you if you know, recently Joe Burrow made news in Cincinnati by saying there's there's no clubs, not a lot of bar options, and therefore there's nothing to do in Cincinnati. Um, if you had your favorite thing to do in Cincinnati and you're going to maybe, hopefully you're not in agreement with Joe Burrow necessarily, what's your favorite, what was your favorite thing to do in Cincinnati, Ohio? Being at Nippert Stadium. Easy. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> hey, Joe, there's no, there's no conflict uh, time there. Saturday, Sundays, Nippert's open. Yeah. There's so many other things to do in Cincinnati. It's a great place to, to raise a family. Uh, culturally, great one of the great symphony orchestras in the U.S., if not the world. You know, incredible ballet, um, art galleries. Um, you know, in addition to sports, and the Bengals are doing pretty well too. You know, they beat the Ravens. Not so, too shabby. No, not bad. Not too shabby at all. Um, Hummer, any any rapid fire for for Dr. Rono here? This one's always always uh, controversial, so I feel like you know what's coming. Skyline or Gold Star? Oh, Skyline. Easy. <laughs> In fact, it's amazing. People actually still send me cans of Skyline up in Vancouver. Somebody actually was visiting uh, Vancouver and came to my office and gave me two gifts. One was uh, a couple of cans of Skyline and the other was a signed autograph, framed autograph from Joey Votto. Amazing. That, that's how people from Cincinnati are to me. And I'm, I'm really, really very, very touched when those things happen. And do you ever get graders? You know, they, they ship now with the ice cream on dry ice. Do you get shipments delivered to your office as well? Sometimes people do send me, send me uh, graders as well. We miss it. And especially uh, the, is it boldly bear cat, the, the, the flavor, which, which should become something that, that is not just special, but should be one of those regular flavors that they have. Incredible. You are, you are truly like a diehard fan of, of the Cincinnati Bearcats staying in touch with what's happening in Cincinnati. So um, look, you're doing this on vacation. I don't want to take up any, any more of your time. It's been an incredible uh, joy here to speak with you for a few minutes about the Cincinnati Bearcats uh, and get to hear your passion and, and still belief in the university. It's been incredible. And thank you very much for everything you did personally to, to help push us forward and push the programs forward 
uh, and the university as a whole. It's 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 truly appreciated from the fan base. Thank you very much. Go Bearcats. <laughs>